0: tune in tune in tune in it's the power of the game it's the power of the game it's the power of the game podcast by golf saudi it is an absolute pleasure to be joined on the power of the game golf saudi podcast by none other than Othman al mullah a pioneer a trailblazer a man that i've caught up with on many many an occasion before at the royal greens golf club and in Dubai as well, Othman, it's great to have you on the podcast, first and foremost.
1: The pleasure is all mine. I've, I've been loving what you guys have been doing with the podcast. It's awesome.
0: Tell us what you're up to right now. I know you've been busy. I know you've been getting back into the swing of things tournament-wise. So
1: I've been lucky enough to actually get out and, and go compete um, on some events on the Pro Golf Tour, which is a German mini tour based in Germany. And they have a winter series that they play uh, across Morocco and Egypt. So I was lucky enough to get some invites to come play two events here in Egypt.
0: And obviously coming out of the pandemic, Osman, playing opportunities for yourself have been limited. The MENA tour shut down for a while. I know that's one of the, the really important satellite tours in the Middle East region. How have you found that? How have you found the last 18 months trying to make progress with your game, trying to make progress with your career, but having those limited playing opportunities?
1: It's been really difficult. I think in the beginning it was it was a little bit disappointing, obviously, because I was on a really good front of form uh, on the mini tour, made three cuts in a row, and I was started to see a lot of good progress in some of my scores. And then the world kind of shut down, especially for mini golf, but mini mini tour golf, and and like you said, playing opportunities were were few and far between. But I, it gave me a chance to kind of like look internally and like kind of appreciate the journey I'm on, and and I think. That's kind of the, the big, big thing for me going forward is to kind of appreciate the day-to-day as opposed to the big goals. Um, um, obviously, those big goals are still there, but I want to appreciate the journey and, and, and the grind, as they say.
0: Yeah, and obviously you've got a very unique role in your own particular journey, which is which is obviously unique to you, but also you are a, a, an ambassador. You're a, you're a pioneer for for Saudi Arabian golf, which is a, which is a huge thing. It's, in many ways, it's, it's a big weight on your shoulders, but you seem to carry it very well. You seem to carry the responsibility very well. But, you know, this is not a country with a history of producing professional golfers. And yet here you are, having turned professional, having made cuts on, on tours, having played against the best players in the world at the Saudi International. I mean, you, you've done fantastic things, both for yourself personally and obviously for the kingdom as well
1: it is it is a massive responsibility and 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 i think a lot of people look at it that way that it might be a really really big weight on my shoulders but i'm actually super proud like it is a big responsibility and and it it, it makes me carry myself in a way that i want to be proud of myself at the end of it I, ho- hopefully after a very long illustrious career with, with lots and lots of successes and and when i was when i first started playing the game when i was 15 uh, I had to look up to Tiger Woods and 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 the the really, really world-class players from all around the world. But no one really from the Arab region. And and that's kind of one of my goals is to hopefully make cuts, win big events, and and make my country proud, but also inspire a generation of young Saudi boys and girls to say, Hey, our countrymen data, someone that I I I connect with on a lot, a lot of a lot of things. They grow up in the same place. They did they play at the same golf courses then I can do it too. You know, the, the, and that's kind of the big thing. That's the big takeaway from what myself and, and my national team teammates, Saud and Faisal and Abdul rahman are doing by playing in the Saudi International and, and, and being so lucky by the organizers of the event in Golf Saudi to give us those opportunities to, to kind of play with the best players in the world is to show the the, the young Saudi athletes and, and that you can aspire to do something amazing and, and you can be out rubbing shoulders with some of the best players in the world. Obviously, we're playing on an invite. And hopefully in the near future, I'll be out there earning my way, playing week to week in different countries around the world and then inspiring a generation to do the same.
0: What, what was that like, Othman? You've got to take us back to the first event you played, the Saudi Golf International. I think it made its debut in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. It's had three iterations, three additions. Have you, you played in – how many of them have you played in?
1: All three. I've been lucky enough to, to, to get an invite from Golf Saudi to play in all three. Okay. And it was, it was surreal because obviously that was also my first week as a professional golfer. So my first ever professional event was at the first ever Saudi European Tour event. So I was on cloud nine that week um, to, to have my parents there and to have it a little bit come full circle because that's always been my dream since I got the first opportunity to play on the European Tour when I was 21 in Dubai. I always dreamt of of being there and 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 to play as a professional golfer representing Saudi Arabia and to see the Saudi flag and dream come true really um it, it, it was it was very very difficult um i think expectations and wanting to do well and and kind of wanting to say like look i can do this too and and, and it was such a fun week and, and to get to play with Ernie and Andy Sullivan as well on top was such a delight like wow Ernie's been one one of like since i started playing golf one of the best players in the world and and some of the behemoth matches between him and tiger woods that like i can remember it like i was it was yesterday when i first started playing golf the mercedes championship where they where they dueled and then and then they went toe-to-toe all 72 holes was unbelievable and to get to play with him and to see even with his long illustrious career he still has that fire burning in him and he still has that hunger to 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 compete it's it's just it's what dreams are made of, really.
0: And that first event, the 2019 event, how difficult was it to get into your zone? Because as a competitive player, as a professional player, you have got to block out, whether you like it or not, you've got to block out external distractions. I imagine it would have been nigh on impossible for you to block out a, dis- a distraction of the fact that you're playing as your first ever event as a professional in the Saudi Gulf International, the first ever European tour event to be held. In your country, you've seen it all. You've kind of come up through the ranks when golf was not a big deal in Saudi Arabia like it's become today. And here you are on the tee with Ernie Els and Andy Sullivan. Ernie Els, a legend of the game of golf. I mean, that is like pinch yourself kind of zooming out and looking at yourself doing that kind of moment. And yet you have to get down and and play the best golf that you possibly can for the duration of that tournament. How do you do that?
1: very difficultly in the beginning, to be honest. It, it, was, it was one of those things where I always look back and I think about, there was a, 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 like a historic Tiger Woods quote that the day he stops getting butterflies on the first tee is the day he stops competing. And I tried to lean on those things like that. Even the best players in the world feel a bit nervy, like the, the, the moments are big and they live for those moments. And that's kind of what I want to do. Like I want to be there. I want, I want it to be hyped up. I want it to be like, what is he going to do in this world-class stage? You know, like I, I, I kind of live for those moments. And my game just wasn't there that week. So I, a lot of people say, oh, it's a lot of pressure and you're playing in Saudi. I actually relish it. I love it. I, nothing. That's what I practice so hard for is to be put in that arena and to see what can I do? Like, I, I obviously want to get to a point where I want to leave all my game out there and, and play to the to the capability and, and to the expectations that I have for myself. And it's just so much fun. I think I'm trying to embrace that more than the enormity, I guess, of what people would say, like, is a world-class event and a lot of pressure playing for Saudi. I love it. I love it. Because I remember early on in the second round, I hadn't played very good in the first round. I, I wasn't off to a great start. But for for the first year of, of a big event in a country where golf isn't very well known, there was a good couple of fans following me like young boys and girls walking with me every single hole and did they want to see me up on top of the leaderboard yes but i was taken aback by that like this is actually pretty cool what i'm doing like to, to be given this opportunity to golf saudi imagine to kind of get that pat on the back and go do it we support you is unbelievable and that was my first step in the professional ranks and and it's it's been a tough couple of years if i'm honest but learned a lot obviously there's no blueprint there's no map for me to follow so i've had to kind of take those steps in the sand and 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 make mistakes and and kind of learn from those mistakes and and not dwell too much on what i like what mistakes have happened and stuff like that but these are learning experiences i i i feel wholeheartedly that i'm taking steps that will not only help me but help saoud coming on after me and hopefully the female the young females that are playing golf now in Saudi, who hopefully aspire to become professional golfers one day, that there'll be kind of a better blueprint of how to go about doing things. And and I find I feel like I'm in a good groove now, and and I'm super excited for what the future holds.
0: Yeah, it must be difficult for you because obviously a lot of spotlight on you during the the, the Saudi Golf International, and and then you know to to kind of carve out your own career to make your own way in the game. You know, as as we know, you you have to you have to start at the ground level. You've got to go to these satellite tours. You're over in Egypt at the moment. You've played in the Mina Tour. These are these are tough grinds. I mean, we've said it so many times, and there are so many quality golfers on these tours, scrapping and grinding and just trying to string those results together that will enable them to to progress up the ladder. But Offman, I mean, it's so difficult, isn't it? It's it's and you've got to stay so patient and so sort of trusting in your own process because it's not something that happens overnight, is it?
1: hundred percent. And it is a grind, a daily grind and, and hours and hours on the range. And then waiting for playing opportunities all around the world is tough. So like you said, coming to the satellite tours, kind of trying to embrace these opportunities that I've been given. And, and I have a full tour card on the Mina Tour, which gives me opportunities to play in some big events and then hopefully qualify to, to go to bigger things. And I'm gearing up every year to go to European tour and Asian tour HQ school. And, and, and these are things in the background that are part of a, the day-to-day life of a professional golfer. And, and I think the big thing is I have so much good support. I, I have such an amazing system in my mom and my dad and, and my wife, they support me unconditionally and to, and to have them behind me, pushing me, and then to have some amazingly influential companies also support me on my journey, like golf Saudi and Aramco and Best Saudi, the marketing brand for the country, and Wow Hydrate, and all these companies that kind of believe in the journey that I'm trying to do and, and, and the things that I'm kind of trying to achieve is amazing. And it keeps me going. Like, the days are hard. <laughs> the grind is hard in, in the Middle East. It's warm. It's super hot in the summer months. And 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 to train in that heat and to kind of prepare, is it, it's a long journey. But I think, like I said before, I'm embracing it and, and I'm loving every day.
0: 15 years of age you were when you started golf. I've, I've got to say that is that is late compared to most professional golfers. Most golfers that, that you know you interview, who make it out on the tour, started as youngsters. You were 15. First of all, you must have had a heck of a talent for it to, to, to get to that level in such a short period of time often. But talk us through uh, your own experience with golf. Did you do other sports before that? How did you get introduced to the game uh, In in the pre kind of, uh golf saudi era how did you fall in love with golf and, and how did you start to make your way in the sport
1: so i grew up in america up until the age of eight like from three day, my parents were finishing up their university degree and i came back to saudi and and i started playing soccer football because like it was a way for me to integrate myself back into the culture and back into the society and back into school and i really became i was very talented at that and and, and started training with some of the clubs in, in Saudi and the Eastern province. And that was my dream. My dream was to play for the Saudi national football team. And I had this deal with my, my, my mom and my dad that as long as my grades didn't drop, I could continue to do that every day of the week. Um, and then the summer when I turned 15, I got B's instead of A's and the punishment was no soccer. So I could go out with my friends, I could do whatever I wanted, but I couldn't go play soccer. So which was catastrophic at the time for me because that was all we did after school. So an expat friend of mine who also lived in the Saudi Ramco community in Lahore, where I lived, lived at the time was like, let's go play golf. And I'm like, man, are you mad? <laughs> like all I knew about golf was, uh, it was for older people and it was a slower sport. And, and, and I was a winger. Like I like to run fast paced adrenaline and like, nothing could have been further. Like I, I, I've tried, tried all sports growing up, but golf wasn't on the radar. So he says, look, you're bored. You might as well. Like, what do you have to lose? Like come out, At least it'll be an experience. So we go to the golf course. We get to the golf course in Bahran. And I'm looking for like the golf courses I've seen on TV. Grass and lakes and trees. And it was a sand golf course at the time. (laughs) So I'm like, where's the golf course? So it's the summer, Bear you, And he's like, there's the the driving range. There's the pin. Let's just go play golf. So we go out and, and I had a great time but they kicked my butt. They were like way better than I was. These are kids that like played when they were six, seven and eight. And I'm like, I couldn't live with the fact that like I'm so much better than them at soccer and they're like so much better than me at golf. So it kind of became like, okay, let's go play golf tomorrow. Two, three weeks into it, I was like dragging my friend to come play golf because it was like a hobby for him. And I'm like, let's go play every day. And he finally like gave me his golf clubs. He's like, you go, you know where to go now. And it just became something I did every single day that summer. At the end of the summer, I told my parents that like, I'm really into this game. Can I get a set of golf clubs? And like, okay. So I didn't know who to ask, like, where do you buy golf clubs in Saudi Arabia? So I went to another expat friend of mine and he like sent, sent them from the States. And like, I got like, I remember them like old Wilson, like beginner set. I, like it was yesterday and it kind of became something I did a couple of days a week. Cause now I could come back to play soccer in the, in, in, in the, in the winter. And I fell in love with the game. And a couple months later, I met the national team captain at our golf course and they were starting a new a junior team. All these things are things I've never heard of, like a national golf team and a junior golf team. And I was obviously super lucky because golf was in its infancy, infancy at the time. And, and as a six, seven, eight handicapper, you were on the national team. So I quickly progressed into that a year and a half after playing golf, just obsessing playing golf every day. And I started to go to these these competitions representing the kingdom at 17, 16, 17. And my dream that I thought I would achieve at 23, 24, playing for the football team, I was doing at 16, 17, playing golf. Yes. We weren't very good as a national team, but every year there was an opening ceremony with the national flag walking. And it was such a proud moment for me. And then I started to compete in these events and it became, became one of these things where I kind of sat down with my parents and I'm like, look, I don't know where I can go with this golf thing, but, I think I can be the best golfer in Saudi and maybe one of the best golfers as an amateur in the Arab world.
0: And did, did, uh, and did, did your love for golf, Othman, or did your burgeoning love for golf diminish your love for football? Cause it sounds like you really, you got into golf and football took a back seat.
1: It did for the longest time. Yeah. I still played. They fulfilled completely different things for me. It, right. It's, it's crazy to say like, but from a competitive perspective, they were, they were both super competitive, but one was methodical and like more thought out and football was more like adrenaline, like quick thinking. Yeah. But flying Saudi's flag was something that football could never, obviously for me, convincing my parents that I could go really, really far in this sport. And then them sending me to boarding school, which was almost unheard of at the time. Like we have good schooling for, for, for young Saudis and Saudi and to send me to boarding school in America, to go to a golf Academy. I went to the international junior golf Academy in South Carolina. At 17 and kind of never looked back like got some really good tutelage there because there wasn't really any coaching in saudi or in the middle east there there weren't any good academies to kind of go to or, or any kind of structured academies where you could go and get training full time so i go to this golf academy finished the golf academy wanted to continue playing golf nowhere to play so a friend of mine was at a community college in arizona he's like you can come play on the team so i go play on the community college team in arizona still playing football. I've played for the college team of football because there were different seasons. And then kind of like had a revelation, like my game really, really took off. And I I won the Pan Arab individual championships and I won the Qatar Open and I won the Dubai as a classic qualifier at 21. And I convinced my parents, okay, listen, I want to turn professional. That's my big goal. I'm not paying attention to school as much as I can. I'm not paying golf as much attention as I can. So how about I take a break? I was at, I was on a government scholarship at the time. So I was on a government scholarship to go to university and I tell my parents, look, I want to take a break. Unheard of things. (laughs) Every single thing I've done so far, my parents are like, what? We sit down, we have like a communal, like, like a a tribal thing. We sit down and like, what are the pros and the cons? And my parents are like, okay, you seem to have this thought out. As long as you can take a break from your schooling and not have your scholarship get dropped. Go ahead. So I packed my stuff, moved to Dubai and have this big dream that if I can practice seven days a week under some good coaching, I can become a (laughs) world-class golfer after roving shoulders with those guys at the Dubai Desert Classic. Lo and behold, it's not as easy as that. You know, and there's so many variables that you have to grind out of the dirt and you have to learn. And my game kind of tanked. So I convinced my parents to go back to school two years later. I go back, finish finance degree, start working for Aramco. And I missed it. I missed competing, and I missed the the grind. And I, like, I had a great job, I, I, I'm making a good career for myself at Aramco in, in the finance department. And I started practicing by myself. I've kind of fell in love with the game again. And and a couple months later, I, I I'm playing for Saudi at the GCC Championships in Kuwait. I I hadn't smelled being anywhere near the top of the leaderboard for a while now, and I'm leading going down the last grind like grinding it was so much wind and the four-day event and i'm leading going down the last and i pull my second shot out of bounds and i lose by one oh and uh i'm like oh i tell my teammates my dad said okay. i tell my dad like i need five minutes long and i go into a room and i'm bawling because like all the depression i fell into depression like when i really worked hard to kind of try and turn professional the first time my parents are so supportive and i'm like i'm letting everyone down so like it's an internal struggle. I think a lot of, like a, a lot of people don't talk about the mental grind of golf yeah, sure. and the mental grind of ath- athletics at that top level. Like you see so many stories now about top, top class athletes finally coming out and saying there were some dark, dark times, you know what I mean? And, and, and there were many dark times for me trying to do that. Having no one to lean on really from a golfing perspective, like my parents were supportive, but they didn't like, they didn't understand how I could be such a good golfer, but not compete. Like, okay, you're training. Why is it not correlating on the golf course? It's not that easy. Like, And and so I go into this room and I tell myself I have one of two decisions to make. I can say, look, like wipe myself off and, and say, I did my best. Maybe golf's not for me competitively. Maybe I just focus on my career and do these events when I can. Or I can say, look, I practiced for three months with no coaching and I put myself in a position to win again. And I kind of went that route. I was like, I've worked way too hard over my life to kind of give up now. So practice hard. 2016, we win the Pan-Arab Championships as a team. First time ever for Saudi Arabia. It's a medal in the event. We win the trophy, win medals. And then this dream comes back of like wanting to be the first professional golfer from Saudi Arabia to to be the first Arab golfer, Arab male golfer to get a European tour card. And then kind of work towards that. End of 2018, His Excellency Asser Romayan was appointed chairman of the Saudi Golf Federation. Look, we want to support you to turn professional. What do you think about that? And I said, to be honest, it's what I've always worked towards. I ch- I'm chomping at the bit to kind of do that. And and we made the decision together with their support to, to, to turn professional in 2019. Wow. That's and an it's been a of... surreal, like we need, we need six <laughs> podcasts to talk yeah. about the last few years of golf. Listen, but off but the in a speech. nutshell.
0: Hey, whatever happens, that is an inspirational story. That really is. And yeah. kudos to you for having the guts to stick to your, to pursuing your dream, honestly, because a lot of people in the position that you were in with a comfortable job, that would have been that. That would have been the end of the story. And as luck would have it for you, your, your path has coincided with this, this project, this era of, of golf course development in Saudi Arabia, which, which I guess in tandem will support you as you pursue your, your dreams in the game and, and you've got great backers and, you know, you've got every opportunity to keep grinding and, and try to keep e- eking out, you know, a living in the sport. So fair play to you. Honestly, I'm inspired listening to that story. I really am. Thanks, uh, but, I got, but I got to ask you um, from when you started on that sand course and then obviously playing here and there and, and competing in the Pan Arab and that kind of thing to where golf in Saudi is right now, three, Golf Saudi internationals in in the books, you know, how much evolution have you seen under His Excellency, under Majid Saraw as well, for Golf Saudi? How much has the landscape changed already?
1: It's been unbelievable. Uh, since starting to play golf 20 years ago, the change that's happened in the last three years has far surmounted that of the 20 years before that. Uh, it's been so exciting to see. Uh, I, I mean, I know we're just getting started, but there's such an ambitious plan and, and, and with the leadership that we have now, the sky literally is the limit. And, and, and it, it's crazy, crazy to say, but we've had three world-class events with absolutely the best, best golfers in the world coming year after year after year. And not only that we've had an, an amazing, like innovative ladies European tour event come to Saudi Arabia for the first time ever to have the first ever ladies golf event happen in Saudi. So, so, from an event perspective it's it's been unbelievable and then you look at some of the development projects some of the golf courses that are being designed and and, and being thought of in, in the kingdom all around the kingdom it's gonna be the golfing destination of the next 20 years without a doubt without a doubt and and, and seeing some of the drawings of some unbelievable golf courses like Gidea the Jack Nicholas golf course that's coming it's it's unbelievable I can't believe it like I have to continuing I, I, Month by month, every time I see some of these drawings, I have to continue to pinch myself because I feel like I'm dreaming.
0: Have you been to the sites? The Kadir site is obviously quite quite iconic in itself. Without even a golf course there, it's a, an incredible rock formation. I know Daraya Gate as well is a huge, huge development. I mean, billions of dollars have been pumped into this. Greg Norman, I believe, is designing a golf course at Daraya Gate, if I'm not mistaken.
1: The topography is unbelievable. So where they plan these golf courses, there's going to be – amphitheater holes. There's going to be mountain rock faces and rock formations. And, and and it's a sight to see. I mean, there was a really cool marketing campaign that where in the world is this, where they were talking about tourism in Saudi Arabia and, and, and all these exotic places. And, and and to imagine some golf courses at some of these places, it's it's going to be really, really cool.
0: No doubt. I mean, the the, uh, the artist's impressions, the, the renderings of the Jack Nicklaus course it looks like somewhere in Arizona or Utah. I mean, it's, uh, but even more spectacular in many ways because of the, the such unique rock formations in the desert there, it is going to be unbelievable. I for one cannot wait. I, I mean, for you and the work that you've done with golf Saudi and, and obviously the Saudi golf federation, what are you seeing often on the ground? Uh, you, you mentioned Saud as well. Who's uh, who's a, who's a real talent. What kind of, stage are we at now in terms of growth at the grassroots level in terms of talent development in Saudi? I know that there
1: are some some big big plans and, and from the ground up from academies to school programs to even the amazing ladies initiative ladies first initiative that was launched at the ladies european tour event has been a massive success obviously the pandemic has kind of put a couple of wrenches in those wheels to slow them down a bit but we're picking up full, full like full, full steam ahead now. I mean, a thousand, over 1,000 ladies signed up for the Ladies' First Initiative in two, three days. And, and it's more than that now. And I know now they, they've opened the door for an even bigger number. And then to see that there's some really, really cool school programs coming in to kind of introduce the youth of Saudi Arabia to a brand new sport is just going to give more and more of an opportunity for the young boys and girls to kind of fall in love with the game that we love. And... and for the elite athletes and the national team, the opportunities to, to travel around the world and to get great coaching and to play amazing events is also going to do them a world of good. Uh, Saud is actually about to compete at the Lynx Trophy in St. Andrews. Such a great tournament to get to go play the old course. Those are opportunities that weren't available when I was younger. And, and, and they're only going to make for great golfers, male and female in Saudi Arabia. And, and to see that, the, the path is there for us to kind of go out and chase, dream big. That's what they're telling us. They're saying, go dream big and work hard, and we'll help you open doors that weren't open before. And to have that support and to have that platform to go out and chase our dreams is is, is something that I'm personally super thankful for. And and, and and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And And that's kind of why I carry myself the way I do. Every day is a privilege and, and it's such a beautiful thing to get to live your dream and to kind of try and do things that have been done before. So, how else can I carry myself?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right to do that. We, we talked about your own evolution and, and the talent within the, the game in Saudi. Obviously, women's golf has become a focal point, which is fantastic to see as well. The Aramco team series is shortly going to get underway at four international cities ending up at the Royal greens golf club. And I think they're going to New York. They're going to London. I think it's $1 million purses. It's fantastically exciting. It's a new format with an amateur component as well. Talk to me about how excited you are about that. The support that Aramco have given both yourself and golf in the kingdom as well. And what that could mean for the ladies European tour and the women's game.
1: Look, historically Aramco has been a massive supporter of golf. I mean, one of our local tournaments, the Saudi Ramco Invitational Tournament, has been going on for over 40 years. One of the first golf courses in the kingdom was a golf course built by Ramco employees. So to see them kind of throwing their hat in the game, A, they support me and, and, and to kind of, they, they've shared my dreams and my, my journey and my goal by, by helping me achieve some of the things that I want to do and to train and to go travel and, and to be able to represent the brand. I'm so delighted that they've actually gone and also supported the ladies' European tour and, and to kind of in the inclusivity of golf and and, and to, to support diversity and, and to give them an, an opportunity to play for a big purse around the world is something unbelievable. And and to see them support the ladies' game and and, and golf as a whole in, in Saudi Arabia is 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 so phenomenal. And the, the event itself is gonna be fun. I remember I was lucky enough to commentate for saudi tv during the ladies uh, ladies european tour event previously and it was cool to see the amateurs out there and, and then the banter between the professionals and the amateur and then that and that the amateur could actually help the team on some holes it, it, it's such a cool little event and 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 it's a massive event now and to say like you said it's going to four global markets to play on some amazing golf courses finishing at royal greens in saudi and to hopefully cap another historic event.
0: Does golf need more format changes like that, Othman? I mean, obviously the 72 hole tournament is the staple. I know on satellite tours, often those tournaments are 54 holes, but when we see something, which is a little bit more team focused, when, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it gives fans more of an opportunity to, to kind of pick a side, if you like.
1: Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I don't know if you'd want it week in, week out. Obviously it is a very individual sport. But I think a few weeks of the year, it would be a phenomenal addition. All these team formats are so cool. The Ryder Cup and the President's Cup and, and the World Cup of Golf before. Those were some fun, fun events that even, even the golf sixes that, that used to happen a couple of years back at Centurion and some of the events, those are really cool events to get behind. And, and it, it shows a different, it's kind of a different glass into golf and, and, and what the sports and what events can do to kind of become unique. And, and that's the cool thing about what, what golf in the kingdom is doing is it they're super innovative. They, they're not just trying to do this to what status quo. Let's build golf courses, and just have events. We also want, want to kind of think outside the box and what can we create in, in the scheme of, of the world of golf? And it's so much fun. It's cool. And, I, and I'm so excited to see the teams compete and to see the culmination in Saudi.
0: I mean, Vision 2030 has kind of united the whole the whole kingdom really in many ways in excitement In, in obviously it's liberated so many things culturally and, and sport-wise as well. From your kind of position as an ambassador for, for golf in Saudi, what reaction has there been to people who maybe haven't taken up the game or maybe they play it recreationally or they take a, a passing interest in it? What have you seen on the ground level in terms of how golf will be kind of embraced as a as potentially a future important sport nationally?
1: I think it's been very well appreciated, to be honest. Uh, going from me winning regional events and, and people not knowing we have golfers and we have a national team to where we are now. it's It's so cool to have people come up to me, oh, you're the golfer. Tell us about golf. We want to try golf. I've had so many people reach out to me wanting to try golf, and that's something that I used to have to drag my friends to come hit balls. And it's so cool to see people all around the kingdom asking me how they can start. We tried golf when we were abroad. We want to play in Saudi. Where can we play? And it's so cool to see, even with the pandemic, even with all the difficulties of not many golf courses yet, people are falling in love with the game. Anyone that's had the opportunity to kind of either come to the Saudi international or watch the the events on TV at least are interested. And that's all we want really is to give our sport a fair, fair crack like you give all the other sports. Yeah. And, and not, no one sport is for everyone, let's be honest. But golf is the one sport where you see basketball, NHL players, football players, a lot of athletes and different people from different parts of the world, from this different socioeconomic levels, playing a sport that's available for everyone. And that's kind of how I market golf in Saudi. Golf is the only sport where a mom and a dad and a son and a daughter can go out and have fun on a golf course.
0: There's no other sports like that, of course. And then you look at the the guy, as you say, athletes from other sports: Canelo Alvarez, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady. You know that they're, they're, they're involved Curry. in the match. Steph yeah. Curry. I mean, there's a lot of athletes from other sports, footballers, to name a few, that, that, that have gravitated towards the game. Listen, uh, I w- I'm going to take up too much more of your time, but I want to ask you about your future aspirations. Othman, where do you see your career headed in the remainder of this year and into next year and beyond there? So
1: I want to kind of continue to build on what I'm doing. I've been I've been lucky enough to get a lot of help from the Claude Harmon Performance Academy in Dubai. And Jamie, Jamie McConnell has been so good for for, for my golf game and and kind of to put a plan in place to, to kind of achieve some of the goals that I put for myself. I want to play in the Olympics. I want to earn a European tour card. These are my big goals. These are my dreams. And then kind of winning a Mina tour event, hopefully in the next two years, finishing in the top five, top 10 to get some opportunities on the European and the challenge tour and the Asian tour. Those are my aspirations. And then, and I'm working really, really hard towards that. I have a really good team in place and with, with the support, of the amazing companies and and, and and the government entities that support my dream and my, my, my passion and my my vision, I'm hopefully going to make it. Uh, I've worked too hard not to continue, and I've worked too hard to kind of not see how far I can go. And and like the sky is the limit for, for golf in the kingdom, I think the sky is the limit for me as well. Uh, I'm a young 34. I, I feel very, very young. There's still, as you know, golf is a sport you can play well, in, well into your 50s and 60s competitively as we've seen from Phil Mickelson and Ernie Ellis and all these amazing golfers. So alhamdulillah, God willing, I can continue to, to compete at a, at a high level and, and, and start to achieve some of the goals that I've set for myself.
0: Listen, Othman, I've been inspired by this conversation. Best of luck to you. I will be following your progress very closely. Hope to catch up with you soon as well. Either it's over in Dubai or whether it's over in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Listen, best of luck for the remainder of the year. Thank you so much for joining us on the Power of the Game podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Take care.
0: Hoffman, absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much.